everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. We are diving into part two of chapter three of V3. Lots of prepositions in that opener there. <laughs> um, and it's going to be great. We're, we're going to rock and roll. I'm excited. Oh, I should tell you what we're spoiling. Um, we're going to spoil <laughs> chapter three, V3, as well as the entirety of the Danganronpa series. So just be warned that uh, after our mid-roll, we will be spoiling everything from every game and everything ever. Yep. Yep. Everything ever. (laughs) (laughs) Including uh, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter. Yes, um, every single thing. Every game. Yeah. Everything in existence. Anyway, without further ado, I'm Maddie. Maren. And I'm Caroline. And we are the Ultra Hope Women. One, two. Welcome to the Dong and Rumpa podcast. <laughs> You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> we are the Ultra Hope Women. <laughs> the Ultra Hope Women. Hi, everyone. We're back. Hi. And we're back with some trial notes. And then after the break, some spoiler notes. Yes. Spoiler notes. I, my first note, the very first thing I noticed in this trial actually was Angie's panel with her face on it. Like after they die, they get the panels. Hers is different from everyone else's. She has a little halo and little wings, but because they're red, they look kind of like she's a devil. Whereas everyone else who's died thus far just has an X, which is interesting. So Angie, I guess, is special. But each of the X's sort of correspond to like each person's personality. So like Ryoma's yeah. is like a hard block. Tenko's matches her hair ribbon. Oh. Like, with the way it's designed. So You're right. But yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's cool though. <laughs> um, hmm. So I said this in part one a little bit. But this is the first trial where we really see Kokichi's and in full Kokichi effect, you know, like he is really like when he goes, I'm the culprit. You got me. I was like, you little guy, you know, <laughs> me and my friend um, were talking because I'm currently watching Yellow Jackets, which I highly, highly recommend. It is very gory, though, and definitely horror. So like proceed with caution. But we were talking. About, oh, God, how does this relate? Oh, we were talking about how like there are some characters that we like love because they cause so many issues, but like we wouldn't want to know them in real life. You know, like like we I would not right. want Kokichi in my life, but I love his character in the story because he is so it is he's just chaos. It is it is so crazy. Anyway. Agreed. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, Kokichi calls the people who are like not suspects suspect rangers um and i feel like we could call ourselves suspect rangers suspect rangers indeed <laughs> indeed i'm the captain around these parts <laughs> <laughs> this town ain't big enough for the both of us <laughs> oh. so true we also have a very i won't even go into details i won't even brace it with details but we have a very very interesting exchange between Mew and Kokichi. Yeah. This is, it is so, it's just that. Oh, I hate it. I do. I'm, I'm, it's too much. It was actually viscerally terrible. Uncomfortable (laughs) to watch. 
I don't like their dynamic. No. I yeah, it's just not my favorite thing to watch. I I do enjoy Kokichi and I I do enjoy Mew, but not together. That's no. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Also, um, Kibo's photograph function, its true purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, I like how he has a mouth Hate printer. It. Yeah. He yeah. goes. I love it. Hi love kibo's new function i literally when mew said that that's why she had him get that function was to take pictures of her poop i decided that mew is the ultimate nurse because her <laughs> focus on bowel health is much stronger than anything Mekon did and um amen yeah. she's the ultimate gastroenterologist <laughs> i also so i also true. love when they're just talking about her poop and then himikoko just goes Quit talking about your poop. No one cares. <laughs> it's like so funny because it's like, you know, yeah, it's iconic. Love Kimiko it. actually was like, I mean, there's definitely the time in the trial where she's like, she goes quiet and she's like, I give up or whatever. She's just like really sad. But there are times in this trial where she is like really on it and she's like really like, she's like, yeah, you know, stop talking about that. Or like, um, like, how dare you say Tenko's death is meaningless? Like she's telling off Kokichi. Like you know, she. I was like, I was kind of like, okay, like she's got a little bit of fire in her. She's not yeah. just like a small, small quiet bee. And like she, she is able to tell people off when she needs to. No, it's really true. But that man, this this trial is so interesting with her in particular because I think it's like, it's like a person discovering how to express their sadness and emotions about something yeah. for like the first time almost and just like like I know like the first death that I experienced that was very impactful for me like I honestly think of it as like before that and after like there's my life before that death happened and then after um just because yeah. you know the first very impactful death is always the one that hits the hardest because you've never experienced that level of sadness before and I think yeah. like we're watching her go through that currently with this and like when she just gives up like I don't even blame I, I can't even be mad at her because like she is just devastated and heartbroken she's being accused for the murder of like two of her friends and Tenko she had a complicated relationship with which she's currently trying to unpack which I think is like again one of the better parts of the writing in this chapter is like Himiko and her relationship to the two victims oh it's so good yeah I try and like think about like if I put myself in her shoes and theoretically like let's say you guys were Angie and Tanko and I lost you and then people blamed me for your death like I can't express what that would like feel like yeah and that's so powerful like I don't think people give Himiko enough credit because like that's that's unimaginable unspeakable yeah, yeah. it's like it's too awful and yeah yeah oh yeah Ugh, but I don't like it. But yeah, yeah, it's I don't really either. just awful. I feel like there are times when, like, we're just like, ah, Don can rob us, he saw blah blah blah, and we forget like the yeah. horror that these characters are going to, like how awful this stuff is, and like how yeah. sad, and it, it's like just terrible. Like, oh my gosh, like what the that's oh that's so true and at the end of the trial when kokichi is like wow this would make great television like i bet if people were watching this they would love it it's like i'll be honest it felt a little bit pointed like it yeah. felt like 
like we're sitting here you know like enjoying this game and it's like this is sick like it's like, i know ugh. yeah it really is like the hunger games where it's like hey look you're you know getting entertainment out of people suffering um i think monokuma also says something along those lines toward the end of the trial where he says something like um he's talking about how all deaths are unfair but like everyone loves to watch unfair deaths or everyone loves like the content and it's like we we kind of do you know yeah kind of are hooked into that stuff like we you know the bad news in the world gets way more views than good news and tragedy gets way more attention than um other things it's just you know we just can't take our eyes off of it you know, I was, um, yesterday I was with like a few folks who I don't know very well. And an acquaintance of mine, um, s- saw my Dong and Rumpa like, like game. And she was like, oh my God, like, you know, Dong and Rumpa. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, Boy, do I, yeah. I, and then I was like, I actually have a, like a podcast about it. And she was like a podcast. Like, she was like, whoa. Like, I didn't even realize there was like that much that like could make a whole podcast. And I was like, no like and then I said like think about it because she had played the first two games I was like think about it like how much con- like how many themes are explored and all the se- stuff and she was like yeah like no you're so right and I and and then she literally said because she's an anime person she was like I feel like a lot of times that's so overlooked in that fandom like the actual like you know gravity of the you know like and that's not a bad thing. I think it's like, I'm cool with the memes. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not out here being like, oh, guys, we need to take it more seriously. No, but like, but yeah, but I, but she even said like, that makes a lot of sense that like there, you know, it would be cool like that you are, it's cool you all are doing that to sort of explore those themes because it almost feels like, you know, oftentimes it's the seesaw memes and the, you know, and the meat on the bone memes, which are excellent <laughs> and should stay. But, you know, yeah. Right. You could definitely make an argument that Doki Doki Literature Club is very similar to Danganronpa, minus a lot of those themes. Mm. Um, Like, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't themes in Doki Doki. Of course there are. There, There are in pretty much anything you pick up, right? But Doki Doki does a lot less with interpersonal themes uh maybe i don't know i'm hesitating because i i haven't played doki doki in a while but i feel pretty confident about that but they're both games about school that are horror games yeah and they're taken very differently um so i don't know yeah but at the same time um caroline echoing your thoughts about this whole chapter being just uh, (laughs) i just the biggest (laughs) the biggest things that i can't get over in this chapter are just the sheer absurdity of everything that's happening like um the the seesaw of course but also like the spinning katana to yeah. lock the door like I i'm know. sorry what <laughs> like what on earth? yeah like that is just i cannot i i cannot take that i cannot take seriously i cannot i know and I, it's funny because i remember like when we talked about chapter three in game one even being like wow this is a little absurd like blah 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 but it's way more feasible and yeah. way more well well put together and cohesive than mm-hmm. this is and it is just like ugh, oh my god it would have been i don't know i almost think there is a scenario where if they hadn't made it a double murder and it was just angie who stumbled in on correcchio like doing the original plan and then 
he never went through with the second you know the like second murder but maybe they found notes of like the plan or like you know things that imply that there was like a plan in place i don't know it would have just been better like i don't know or like even if the seance failed like right. if the positioning wasn't right and like other seesaw didn't move or whatever and everyone just heard this weird thunk and was like what was that oh i guess the seance didn't work and she never spoke and like tenko was still alive like right that could have been interesting yeah, but it's just because it's Danganronpa Chapter yeah. 3. They were like, we got to have two bodies. So mm-hmm. here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it could have been, oh my gosh, it could have been like Kurekio did the seance just to delay people from investigating. Like he pulled people mm-hmm. in to distract, to try and get like, maybe the killer was another woman. And so he had two women die, but, you know, he was hoping to like take people away from that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just. Yeah. I also, I mean, this may be, I, I don't know, we're we're just on the trial in general. The other thing I want to bring up is, you know, in Danganronpa chapter two in game one, we have sort of um, the, th- I will, I don't want to even like give too much comparison between these two things because it's like two totally different like scenarios, but we have sort of this um, conversation about gender and conversation about like, you know, Chihiro and masculinity. And we've talked about that before, so I won't go too far into that, but you know, it it wasn't handled great, you know, in 2010, when it was made, you know, there were a lot of issues. Seven years later, it's not handled very well in this game either. They didn't, they, they, there is still like people making insulting comments about Correcchio being like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, I don't, you know, and it just, it really bothers me because it's like, you have, you've had seven years in between that to hear feedback about that. And that one isn't even like, in my opinion, like that terrible of of like that, but they could, they, there were still issues with it. And it really is disappointing that one more playing into like the stereotype that people who are like, quote unquote, like cross dressers or whatever are ser- also serial killers. Cause that's a trope constantly in media. Lindsay Ellis has a really good video about it, which I'll link below. Um, and it, it's perpetuating these negative like stereotypes and everything. And it just, it's like, and also, if you think about it, Karekio was sort of in, if you do his free time events, you learn that like his relationship with his sister was like, she was quite controlling over him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's like, yeah. then also saying that like victims of that sort of abuse then become serial killers. Like that's not yeah. okay. <laughs> like, There's like, a there lot are, of issues with that. As, a lot of silly, issues with Kyo's backstory. Like we're joking, okay, the writing is terrible, blah, 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 blah. But that's this is where it's like almost harmful, right? We're we're okay, seesaw silly, weird sexual innuendo, silly, <laughs> silly town. This is like harmful. You know what I mean? And like this is like it's not okay. So yeah, I just wanted to like mention that because you know, and then the whole incest thing, which we always every time we talk talk about Correcchio, we're like, we're not even gonna touch on that because it's not we're not we're, it's not canon. <laughs> like we hate it. Yeah, it's, we just pretend yeah. it's <laughs> yeah yeah which it's just like yeah i i feel like they were just throwing everything at us to use every like either stereotype or bias or whatever to make us see keo and be like ew gross you know what i mean and it's like there was a lot of that that was just so unnecessary like honestly i think the concept of someone um like believing in like like having a loved one in the afterlife and believing so strongly that they need to give them friends that they're committing murder i think that's an interesting concept but did they really have to throw in 
the incest? Did they really have to throw in the like that he wears lipstick and believes his sister is like living inside of him? Did they really have to like, you know, there there was so much of that that was like, did that have to be a part of that? You know, right? Like killing, like killing to then give your sister friends in the afterlife. Okay, can handle that concept. That it could again, like you said, could just stop there. Could stop there. Could stop there. They did not have to be lovers or they could have been lovers but not sister like or sisters not sibling like <laughs> right you know. that too i will also just throw out there that Carecchio being the ultimate anthropologist i'm sure is very aware that like there are cultures around the world current and past where incest is no one even blinks at it like it's the norm right. but i do very much feel like the Duncan Rapa creators put that in to make us grossed out by Keo on purpose. Yeah. Um, because you know, it and it's like, why? <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. What you guys are talking about about like limiting like how many factors they threw threw in for this entire scenario, it reminds me a lot of In the Walking Dead. Um, I didn't finish that show, but I, I did watch probably I watched up until one of the main characters died, which if you watched The Walking Dead, you know exactly which character I'm talking about and you know exactly when I stopped because it's about where everyone stopped. But um, (laughs) there was this side story where this young girl, she believed that the zombies weren't evil. She was like, it's still the the people inside. Like, you know, we just have to believe, basically. And she kills her sister to prove it and she's wrong and it's bad but like that i remember just the like dark unsettling feeling in my stomach like it just dropped my stomach seeing that and that is the powerful thing that could have happened but because they started throwing in all this stuff that you know like caroline you and maddie are are talking about it just like it took what could have been a really like dark and disturbing plot and just like muddled it right completely muddled it took all of any potential meaning any potential anything out because it just was oh yeah i this chapter is absolute garbage absolute garbage yeah least favorite in the whole series easy like not not even a debate this is a good time i think to talk about the title of the chapter completely um Mm -hmm. which is uh transfer student from beyond the grave um the transfer student part i feel like was an addition potentially but there's a movie from 1974 called from beyond the grave which is an anthology of four short horror stories uh, revolving around a mysterious antique shop owner and his antique pieces which already kind of gives me correctio vibes but um there's one story in particular that i thought was really interesting and it touches on the controlling part of the sister relationship that caroline mentioned um but in one of the stories there is a shop um that had a somewhat like supernatural vibe to it uh with a golden rule that when customers tried to cheat the owner he would give them objects that like basically ruin their lives Um, and one of the objects uh this character buys a mirror um and in response to him trying to cheat the owner 
the spirits of the dead that lived in that mirror turn him into a murderer to quench their taste for blood. So they basically mm. start controlling him through the mirror. And it was just interesting. I, I don't know that that's why they picked this title, but it felt very much like the relationship from Corecchio being controlled by spirits to like quench this, uh, I mean, maybe not murderous intent, debatably. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just kind of gave me those vibes. Yeah. Nice, nice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hello. Sorry. Wrong <laughs> podcast. I think. Do you think? <laughs> Sorry, no. that was so mean. I, I was joking. I've obviously. never had a thought in my life. That's I... it for us. <laughs> <laughs> that, All right, that's, that's it. it. That's Let's it on the Alter Hope Girls. <laughs> I will say it was very interesting what Correcchio brought up about like toward the end after he was like voted for saying that like accepting death is an actual I can't remember his exact words I didn't write down the quote but he talks about how essentially accepting death is not actually possible like it's not possible for a human being to fully accept or comprehend that someone has died and so that has given rise to so many cultural traditions like funeral rites and beliefs from the afterlife and whatnot and like things that we've come up with as human beings to try and cope with the idea of death and that is very much the same idea as terror management theory which is what I studied in college um, and did my thesis on which is uh, essentially uh, a terror management theory essentially like says that we as human beings are terrified of death and we try to do cognitive things to cope with that fear in key like in very particular ways like um using certain belief systems to make us feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves or you know seeking out a sense of social belonging that feels protective to us like that those there are like key strategies that we do cognitively to try and like buffer ourselves against like anxieties around death and i did a, I did a I think I did a Patreon but I, it's been so long I, it's so bad that I can't remember but I did a Patreon episode about that I'm pretty sure so if anyone's interested check it out um yes I did do a Patreon episode I, I'm sorry I no brain cells today very little sleep no brain cells but yeah that lines up with a lot of that you know theory and it's very interesting because it's very true because there's a lot about death that is scary to us and we do a lot of things as people to try and make ourselves feel better about it even things that are like illogical that's like not to say, say that doing some of those coping things are like all bad right oh yeah right. Right. No. That. yeah like seeking social belonging how dare you know i'm kidding <laughs> they're not all bad they're not all bad and you like want- a hundred friends <laughs> absolutely not that no <laughs> murdering people might be a more questionable way to cope with those things but no like i mean funeral rites and like traditions and whatever like give people a, like a lot of comfort and like a very strong sense of like connection to others and a sense of being like rooted in like your ancestry or whatever like it it, it can they're really like good things but there are also like bad things that sometimes people do um, to try and buffer themselves against that anxiety like ironically um 
like younger people, teenagers, especially young men are like way more likely to do risk-taking behaviors, like, you know, go like mountain biking and do like really things that put them in danger, but it's not because they fear death less. In fact, there's some evidence to indicate that they fear death more, but doing those risky things is like, it's like contradictory. It's like counterintuitive, but it almost like makes, I, I think the theory is like, it gives them like more of a sense of control they're like flirting with death they're not avoiding death they're like flirting with it you know (laughs) um so some some strategies can be like actually dangerous and risky but yeah 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 it's interesting stuff i pretty much have one more note it's very random and it's not really chronological um but it's not really a spoiler either so i can do that whenever (laughs) yeah but i just have one more prior to spoilers um it's just an idea for a twist potentially like i don't know if they'll do another dong and rumpa game but we were talking about like potentials and and whatnot and this is more of like a thematic potential for a future game but i think it would be a really interesting twist where if instead of if the incorrect person gets voted out just the blackened gets to leave i think it would be interesting if the blackened and the person that was incorrectly voted got to leave because i think you would start having roles like there's a they in you know the game town of salem um there's the jester role where you're just trying to get voted out and like i think people would start to play that like let's say i mean you would still have to be pretty messed up right like (laughs) to do this to a group of people but if you're starting to get blamed for something maybe you start to take that blame like you you go in with the focus of trying to you know do the right thing but if you're starting to get targeted oh you have a slip up like i mean it would be very hard to write a script that could follow that but like mm-hmm. oh i just think it would be so like blah, more themes more themes <laughs> <laughs> or if there was like a an actual like the jester role in the game of like someone let's say there there is like a traitor in the group but they're they are the one with the free pass so they are not actually going to get executed so like they if they get voted for then they get to leave but without killing anyone like that'd be so interesting if there was someone like that who maybe was trying to take the credit for a murder or trying to set something up or maybe like became an accomplice that would be so interesting yeah i was really surprised that maki went along with shuichi's lie in this trial about tenko dying instantly i was surprised like I think going back to what you said earlier, Caroline, like Shuichi and Maki really have this like friendship and this trust developing that I was like, oh, wow, like she went along with it. Like she actually really trusts him. And that was surprising to me because she's been so like aloof this whole time. Like she's not Kaede. Like she's not a Kaede where she's like, yes, Shuichi, I believe in you so much. Like, you know, like that was interesting to me. I totally expected her to be like, what the heck? No. (laughs) The only question I had about that is like, isn't the Monokuma file available to everyone? So if he's going to lie, why is he lying about something that has access? You know what I mean? Like the rest of the lies have been. Yeah. I don't think it was in the Monokuma file about whether or not she died instantly. Sometimes it is, but I don't think it was in this chapter. Yeah. Okay. Those files are very interesting in what they include. Yeah. (laughs) So true yeah but anyway that was that was i felt like that was a pivotal moment for shuichi and maki's relationship like they it seems like like they're a team now like they trust each other 
And that is important because this is a game, this killing game where you are set up to not be able to trust anyone. So hence that I feel like that was a very, very important, significant moment. It's true. Uh-huh. Um, indeed, indeed. Another note I had, um, I will say lipstick was not what I was expecting to see when Karekia pulled down his mask. And I thought he was going to be bald. <laughs> bald under <laughs> his mask. <laughs> I, I don't really know what I was fully expecting. I think I like expected some kind of like disfigurement or scars or like some reason he'd want to keep it covered, but definitely not lipstick. But I will also say, did you guys do like all of his free time events? No. Oh, okay. On this replay, I, I haven't been doing I just, any. I just sleep. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I, um, but like there was one of Kyo's free time events where Shuichi and Kyo are like eating a meal together and Kyo is just eating through his mask like not even like he opens the zipper like it's closed and he's just like holding the food up to his mask and then it disappears and he's chewing and Shuichi's like how are you doing that and Kyo's just like I'm just eating like <laughs> <laughs> makes, makes no sense that's so funny that but that's just like humor like that's just yeah. like oh my god that's, that's so, so funny, funny. Just, what the hell? that's just silliness but um and then i think i would have been more surprised than the lipstick if he had had a beard oh my god had a beard. i would not have been he able to handle it if seem, he had a beard yeah he doesn't seem like the beard type that's more shocking i will just say i don't I can't remember if I've brought this up before or not, but in terms of like the gameplay mechanics, I kind of like how in this game you can click and vote for anyone you want and it doesn't change the outcome of the trial. Because once you've gotten to the end, you've established the evidence, like we all know what's going on. Everyone votes, uh, almost everyone votes for the correct blackened, but you can vote for someone else and then the tallies come up and you see like the one. Like I just, I think that that's like interesting. That is an interesting detail more realistic but it's also like kind of futility in a way of like can't really mm-hmm. change the outcome um but i do think it would be Does the neat person they... that you voted for do they like react at all no they don't and so that's another mm-hmm. thing i was gonna say is i think it would be neat if they threw in something there like even just like a little bit of dialogue like because you don't know who voted for who when the tallies come up right but if someone who gets the one tally is like what the heck who voted for me? And then we move on, or like, <laughs> something like that. Um, I feel like that was voted for me. <laughs> what the heck? I feel like that was a missed opportunity. But I, I do think that is a neat little mechanic. I also think very interesting to think about what may have gone down if Himiko had been the victim instead of Tenko, because it really, Takio, interestingly enough, did not matter. Like it was either one of them could have been the one so it wasn't really like a targeted murder it was like one of the least targeted murders we've had so far given that either one of them would have worked and himiko offered first but tenko then was just like no i'll do it and i just had a realization that kurekio is probably like the most sexist killer (laughs) that we have in the games and he kills tenko and that's really messed up (gasps) oh my god Oh, oh no you're right oh, it hurts me a lot you're right hurts just a little bit. hurts a little yeah yeah oh. just a thought that just happened across my head i have one more non-spoiler note 
Are you guys all out? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Kokichi toward the end says something along the lines of like there would be no free will in the world if everything was just the truth and no lies. And I'm curious as to what you guys think about that. I think it's true. <laughs> I think that he's right. I mean, I like I think free will is choice, so inherently like then lo- there is no free will without the presence of lies. I think if the world had started with no lies, then you could make an argument for there being free will because like I can walk into, I don't know, Caroline's room and take something and be like, I took this and left. That's free will. I, I made the choice to do that. But like, if you have the ability to lie and then that gets taken away, then, then it limits your choice. Technically you've lost a, like mm. a freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's- yeah. I didn't steal anything from you, Caroline. I promise. <gasps> you mean it? Yeah. Um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, that like. a lot. <laughs> if everyone was forced to tell the truth all the time, it would definitely be less freedom. But I don't know if I would go so far as to say there would be zero free will. Because, like, you can still make some choices. Like, it, it makes me think of, like, you know, that you remember, you guys remember Divergent, right? Oh, God. How yeah, did I forget? One, there's the one faction where everyone has to wear black and white all the time and no one lies ever. Yeah, Candor. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm like, do you think they don't have free will? Except they were blue. Am I crazy? No, that's um iridite. Yeah, the smarty pants is oh, you're right. blue, the nerds. Oh wow. And then there's <laughs> the, the people who live on the farm and eat like bread with drugs in it, so they're happy all the time. Abnegation. Can we talk no. about the No, 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 no. That one's the, the It'd be like, what color do you want to wear? And it's literally just the colors they wear. And then it'd right. be like, do you think you like you're it's Friday night? Are you A jumping off of a train? <laughs> B picking some vegetables from your garden? <laughs> C doing nothing. You live to serve. <laughs> Amity. Amity. That those are the farmers. Amity and abnegation is what is they the like, serve. They live to serve. Yeah, that's like it's like the Harry Potter quiz. It's where it's like, oh my god, I just saw a TikTok recently. I did too like, recently. You order a coffee from Starbucks and like the barista you, a, says, bravely tip the thing and kindly and bravely hold the door open for the person after you. B, throw the coffee in the face of the person who made it. C, Take the coffee normally and leave. Or D, books. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It is. Um, oh my god! Excellent. We should do. We should books. do a bonus episode where we sort people into divergent factions. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, no, you know, Kirumi is very much an abnegation girl. Absolutely, she's an abnegation bitch. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, that just came out of Caroline. We are on a spiral right now. I know. She's an abnegation bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, anyway. Good. Anyway. Um. Also, Kaito has tuberculosis now. Question. Mark? I literally love. It's like every um, you know how those those memes um that in like 
historical movies when someone gets sick and they're like like no i'm fine i feel fine and it's like it's like doctor she's we're losing her she's slipping away yeah so anyway um yeah it's that she has consumption (laughs) (laughs) i feel like handkerchiefs in old movies it's like chekhov's gun you know they'll come back bloody Yes, and then it's i know it's so true of course um anyway that is all my non-spoiler notes um clearly there's something going on with kaito as well part of me was wondering replaying this chapter was wondering like if he actually was i think he is but if he actually was afraid of ghosts yeah i think he he was like using that as an excuse because he doesn't want anyone to know he's sick so he'd rather them think he's scared of ghosts but probably not no i think he's no. scared i think it's both things at the same time it's probably both yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> he, he reminds me of my dog like kaito I, he has the yeah. same personality as zeke it's actually that is so accurate and then like a plus B, e, A equals B, B equals C. Marin is also Zeke. <laughs> That's the truth. Like, okay, wait, actually, tangent, but I need to tell you guys about this because yesterday, my sister and I, so um, my sister, I can't remember if I told you guys this, but my sister just had surgery. She had, um, oh my God, Maddie, Jeez. Uh, like hip, like laparoscopic hip surgery where they had to repair her labrum because she tore her labrum and she had like premature osteoarthritis of her femur. And so they had to like shave down her femur and like pin back her labrum. And so she is like on crutches like how is this the first time i'm hearing about this maddie i know i i'm so sorry like i think i forgot to tell you guys this completely (laughs) but she is like now doing physical therapy and stuff like that. And so yesterday when I was at home I was helping her with some of her PT and um like I was like pulling we doing like resistance band things she was doing like a lot of arm things so just to like kind of like get some activity going because she can't do much with her lower body but at one point like one thing that the PT recommends for getting like a little bit of exercise without using your lower body is like just to take like a little bouncy ball and like throw it back and forth with someone and so I got like she pulled out like it's, she has this purple bouncy ball and I'll send a picture of it to you guys it's not intimidating um but literally Zeke was like chilling laying on our feet like vibing with us while we were like pulling this stuff and then the second she pulled this ball out and tossed oh it to God. me Zeke gets up he runs into the corner and he like looks like he's like cowering like looking at this ball and we're like throwing it back and forth and he's like <laughs> and then he, li- he literally like walked over into the other room and hid behind the dining room table like he was so scared of this purple bouncy ball and we were like Zeke what is wrong like I need to send you these pictures hang on Nadia, I was very confused as to why you said we had a purple bouncy ball it wasn't intimidating at all as if Caroline and I were like or, I know I was wondering why why you <laughs> okay. specified that but so there's a picture of the ball <laughs> oh yeah just a little ball you know and then there's a picture of Zeke who had oh my god oh my god <laughs> look at him <laughs> he is horrified he's so scared <laughs> 
please tell me you stopped this is animal cruelty i know he he literally is like looks like he's being abused and then he went over and hit under the dining room table and we're like zeke what who hurt you are animals supposed to like balls like i I mean literally dogs literally i have no idea what it was but like he is so funny because he's such a doofus and he's so lovable but he's such a coward (laughs) oh my god and like kaito i little guy kaito i don't consider a coward only when it comes to ghosts but i'm like this would be kaito's reaction to seeing a ghost literally i'm like this whole chapter kaito was giving me zeke vibes yes so that's all i have to say about that anyway now i'm actually done with all my non-spoiler notes (laughs) all right everybody we're gonna take a quick break um but don't go too far because after the break we're gonna start talking about our spoiler notes that spoil the entire game so tune in and this is you know your first warning there'll be another one at the top of the second half that if you haven't played the you know this you know um you should leave because it will spoil the game so don't be spoiled um it really helps us out a lot if you leave a five-star review in apple podcasts we so appreciate it and it helps other dong and rumpa fans find what we're creating so thanks so much for doing that and if you want to become a patron the lowest tier is just two dollars a month and you get access to a bunch of cool bonus episodes Marin and i have a very special one planned that is going to be posted probably before this episode comes out so you have that to look forward to and yeah Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're all Trope Girls Podcast pretty much everywhere. And we will be right back after the break. Let's dive into spoilers. Spoiler City. I will just say I don't have a lot. I don't either, honestly, but... um, for this one. But yeah, um, the one that I almost said earlier that happens at the beginning of the trial is Kibo is like, oh, it's like I always have an inner voice inside my head speaking mm-hmm. to me. This is my Kibo impression, apparently, and hearing voices <laughs> and stuff. And it's like, you kind of think he's just, you're like, oh, Kibo, you know, oh, little guy. But no, it's like literally because he's the radio for the audience. Yeah, yeah. I did want to Our- talk about that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Maddie. Oh, very quick. I was just going to say when I first played the game and I didn't know any better, I kind of just interpreted that as like, oh, he's a robot. He has some like programming in him that's like guiding him. But but yeah, it's more than that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know if you guys thought, did the audience vote for Kibo to join the council? Do you think that the council approached him? And oh, my God. They had a big like tune in to see what the audience voted for like <laughs> like vote now by texting like yes or no to <laughs> dong and rompa 360 or i don't know what like it's american it. idol yeah. right that was pretty good i liked it thank you you're so welcome uh yeah interesting i wonder how many of his choices were up for a vote like how many of his choices were actually his own versus like was it just like here and there there was a big vote or was it like voting all the way for like everything he's doing you know yeah Yeah. that's a good point the other question i had relating to kibo is do you think that monodem was also controlled by the audience and i ask that because monodem is a robot 
And not that all robots are the same, no robophobia <laughs> here, but <laughs> I think it would be interesting, an interesting explanation as to why Monodem goes so against the actions of the other bears if mm. someone else were controlling him. What if you get like a, what if viewers get to like bid on like a, a mono cub they can control and they just get to like create chaos? And so like, true. They like auction off to the highest bidder and then you get a little remote control. <laughs> um, yes. I want to also mention Monodum and like his rebellion. Like what is, like I, I keep like thinking about the greater scheme of the story and it could just be I don't remember, but like what is like, I still don't know deal. the deal. Yeah, I just think the Monocubs are just so... I just don't have any... Yeah, I have no idea. Anyway, I was just curious if y'all had thoughts. My best thought, and it's not good, <laughs> is that... I mean, he gets so frustrated by the potential of, like, losing his friendships that he has with the other Monocubs. And it feels like almost this, like, oh, like, I've lost the friendship for sure. And so, like, something made me give up on finding friendship with the Monocubs. But it's, like, it's almost anticlimactic. Like, it's, like, they're killing off Correcchio. I mean, the best explanation I can give is, like, Correcchio had this very twisted view of what friendship is and how to earn it for someone. And Monodum debatably had something similar where he, like, was very controlling and whatnot. Mm. But, like, it felt rushed and it felt weird and it almost felt like Monodum didn't want Correcchio to die. Yeah. Maybe. I think it also kind yeah. of detracts from the drama of the blackens murder the blackens execution in each of these trials it's like why yeah. why throw that in there i don't know i don't know i really don't know what the purpose of the monocubs is still even after like replaying this game after knowing how it ends like i'm not sure yeah maybe it's really just for the merchandise you know true <laughs> that's so true yeah. merchandising <laughs> Um, touching on back what Maddie said at the beginning about the love hotel and like why is it there um one theory that I've seen about the end of the game is that it's all in Samugi's head um actually I'll be completely honest with you guys um Snapchat has the AI that you can talk to and the only thing that I have talked to the AI about uh is Danganronpa because I was curious to see what it knew um and it was the one that that told me about the fan theory of Samuki having it be all in her head. Oh, that I have screenshots. That is so interesting that, that an is. AI, you learned that theory from an AI. Yeah, right? Oh, it was a little spooky, but like, I I, <laughs> I made it. I'll send you guys these pictures, but I was trying to have it tell me about Danganronpa, and then I would be like, make it simpler, simpler. In five words, in three words, in three letters. Oh my god, you're like, you're like the people in the memes who are bullying the the AI where they're like, that's not 98 words. <laughs> oh my god. Let's see. Or like just gaslighting chat GPT. Okay. This says um oh, no, that's not the right one. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, so I said the question that I had asked it was why did Samuki put herself in the killing game? And it said Samuki Shiragane's motivations for participating in the killing game um, are complex and multifaceted. Without giving away too much, it was really aggressive about not spoiling things, which I was like, okay, 
word. Um, it can be said that Samugi was driven by a desire to participate in the ultimate killing game, which she saw as the ultimate test of her skills as a fan of the series. Samugi is a character who's invested in the world uh, and willing to go to great lengths to participate in the game, even, even if it means risking her own life. Um, and so it's just an interesting thought that she made it just because she's a fan like she brought all mm. these people together just because she wanted to like see what it was like um but anyways kind of going back to the original point the love hotel um going along that theory it could just be that the love hotel is a visual demonstration of like daydreams or like you know like sexual thoughts that she had about the people she was with and we're just seeing those yeah and that wouldn't surprise me because I do think she is sort of like, yes, she's the creator of this game, but she's also like the ultimate fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a lot of ways. And like a lot of her personality, even so far that we've seen is like hinting toward like almost simpage, like easily, she easily simps. Um, she yeah. literally like, there's a moment in this episode where like, um, go, she calls Gonta a hero and says like, oh, you're going to need like a, a mask and a tuxedo which is a reference to a tuxedo mask and sailor moon who is like the main love interest essentially in that entire series and so it, yeah it's just like interesting and total i think that I, I mean that totally makes sense i don't think it's all in her head personally but i think that like maybe that's a storytelling device for samugi's brain you know what i mean or like something like that True. like yeah i do love that that's neat i don't think it's all in her head because of how it ends I think because mm -hmm. I don't know if that would be like her fantasy of like essentially losing you know what I mean I don't know maybe 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 but because like in the same way that Junko and Oshima like braved despair and kind of like almost liked it when she lost because that was more despair like maybe Samugi is like thinks like oh if I lose it would be so interesting like everyone the views would go out through the roof like everyone would be so captivated by like the idea of you know the the me being the bad guy and losing you know i don't, I don't know True. it's a really really ever, like, interesting theory mm, yeah i like it do you ever find yourself like when you're driving or like acting out like conversations that could happen or different yeah. ways that conversations like could have gone all the like, time even though it didn't happen and sometimes my brain is like oh i'm gonna like pick a fight with this person who's not here and wouldn't say these things like just to see how it would go in my head like yeah yeah i don't know i think that it could be a darker timeline because like if smoothie did that caroline do you not do that at all oh my god Marin, i have clinical anxiety of course i do that <laughs> constantly <laughs> every day every like, second of the day it's terrible yeah, yeah no i have a terrible problem with that actually Same. Anywho, yeah, i was just yeah. feel like somebody could do that yeah yeah no it's true yeah. we have a lot of lines that are uh, again pointing to the fact that this is not real i can list them if we'd like or i mean yeah i mean I you feel free all right um monokuma says show me the hidden cameras Monodem says, good job, you memorized my script. Uh, <laughs> I believe Monokuma says, this is not a movie, uh, but then describes this as a world full of jests. And that's all the ones that I've got. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, in every chapter, it's so like, yeah, you know, like, <clears throat> obvious in hindsight. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. 
That's not a roast, not a roast at all, because I think it in most people would be would it would just go, whoop, you know, because the Danganronpa creators have already made known that they're quite meta in the way that they do things. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I had the note that like, if like, do you think there would be any chance that like if they actually did like someone actually did successfully complete the necronomicon ritual they would bring the person back to life by just like recasting them you know how like every Could now and then you if there's imagine? like imagine like the actor gets replaced like the it's the same character like a different actor and they oh, just get replaced oh my god you guys need to watch wandavision <laughs> <laughs> um wow that would be interesting like what would be the reactions of people if there would be like you're not the real rentaro but then they like act like, and yeah, do everything just like rentaro so it's like right almost like gaslighting in a way it's like do i remember rentaro like right exactly yeah uh, interesting. So true. oh my god my I have span one is out. more note okay yeah and then I'm out. i do as well word i'm done <laughs> i only have nice two spoiler notes break. for this one unfortunately okay if yours is yeah mary do you want to go yeah when we go to the room where the murder happens there's a katakana i think that's how you pronounce it um but it's one of the types of japanese the alphabet uh the katakana alphabet on the wall there's some writing on there um and it says um yuskute which i really tried (laughs) thing um and i switched up the order japanese can be written from like like north to south um not always left to right um but it says probably one of three things um if you switch it to a different alphabet the hiragana alphabet which is like pronunciation based it says the word rinse which i couldn't think of anything for that why it would say that (laughs) the other two i think are a little bit more likely um one of them is evening school which i think would be interesting just like killing school game wise yeah um but the other one was evening scoop and it was right after the murder and thinking on this as if it's a tv show like just having like evening scoop written on the wall and like blood basically or like it might not have been blood but like grime was just like i don't know if that's what it said that's pretty Pretty cool cool. pretty interesting yeah totally yeah my final note so you guys know how there's like a big blood stain quote unquote it looks like a blood stain in the creepy hallway yeah that's a new area to explore it is very telling to me that when sumugi is asked whether or not she's bothered by that she says it's not that i'm okay with it it's just that when it's so overdone like this it makes it seem fake so i feel okay mm. huh interesting it is like i will say we didn't really talk about the fourth floor but whoo spooks it's mm-hmm. it's weird I, up there i mean if the if the music didn't bop so hard i would not want to go up there <laughs> yeah yeah it's just i think that's like so telling because sumugi is okay with running this show and running this killing game because it's so overdone that it seems fake but if it wasn't that way, then she might not feel comfortable with it, which suggests that she, I don't know, might have some 
limitations how much she's really willing to like put these people through but as long as she overdoes it and dramatizes it and you know maybe that explains some of why it's so ridiculous with like the seesaw stuff and the all of this like stuff that's like really out there and seems so unrealistic like maybe that explains some of it because that's the only way that she is okay with killing people true yeah and there's a lot with like there are scarier things that happen in these games that aren't this chapter weirdly enough like you know what i mean like it's not this chapter despite the atmosphere being so spook it's really the only thing that's quite scary besides like death and murder you know Mm -hmm. i don't know that that tunnel under the sewer is pretty scary Mm. no i know yeah how futile it's a rock that says horse girl that's pretty scary horse girl that's pretty pretty scary too (laughs) horrifying (laughs) Horse girl. It's me. It's a reference to me. We we need to do bed would be head. Bed would be head. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, this Um, one's easy because there's three options. Oh yeah, and I can already tell you what I'm gonna do. (laughs) That's easy peasy. It's easy for me too. Actually, (laughs) yeah. Mm. All right. Um, I am going to behead Keo. That's the only right choice mm-hmm. <laughs> um i am going to wed tanko queen legend icon and i'm going to bed angie that, yeah i feel like that's all pretty self-explanatory yeah watch me say that and then everyone disagree but yeah that's that's the vibes i got Maddie has disagreed. I can see it in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my answer, but it, it, oh god! No, no, don't do it, Maddie. He'll kill you. I would behead Angie. I would bed Keo, and I'd wed Tenko, and I would probably die. <laughs> but if I didn't, hey, here we go. I'm about to like seriously <laughs> expose myself right now. I would behead Angie. I would bet Tanko. <laughs> and I would correct you. Because what is wedding? <laughs> My jaw just dropped to the floor. I just, um, no, no, Caroline, let's be logical. I would bet correct you and wet Tanko. Come on, Caroline, let's, let's not be crazy. Okay, yeah. Did, that's... We guys, did we play the same chapter? We, I mean. Well, I just ignore actually, the incest. You know what? That's not fair of me to judge. <laughs> You know, that's not fair of me. I, I will step back. Yeah. <laughs> I've made some questionable bed wedding choices in the past. <laughs> no, no, no. Logically, I should wed Tenko. So I will wed Tenko. That would be better okay. for my mental health, probably as well. This has been Danganronpa the musical. So- yeah, so true. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm. <laughs> All right, listeners, that is all we have for this episode for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we enormously appreciate your support. You know, we'll just we'll just give the little pitch again, as we always do. If you're interested in supporting us and you want more content, um, you can follow us on Patreon. The lowest tier is just two bucks a month and you get access to all of our bonus episodes. And there are more perks as you go up the tiers. But if you want another easy, super simple way to support us, you can go to Apple Podcasts and 
Apple Podcasts and just give us a five-star rating. It takes no time at all, and it really, really helps us out. So thank you so much. We will see you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves, listeners. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.